Chalmé, mais sur le deuxième ballon, ils sont là, avec Chalmé, avec Gourcuff Oh, oh de fois oh Gourcuff, Chama qui se retourne, ça s'est bien fait, encore le 1-2, c'est magnifique, oh, c'est superbe Égalisation de Marouane Chama, celui qui revient de blessure, qui souffre d'une entorse à la cheville droite, et là un coup majestueux, festival technique et collectif de Bordeaux. Attention, c'est vraiment cafouillé aux abords de la surface de réparation, ça va être récupéré par Gourcuff dans la surface, on s'est oh, bien, bien joué, ce que fait Gourcuff Hello everybody, welcome to the Teams of Our Lives with me, Marcus Speller, and him, Andy Brassel. Hello, that's me. Hello, Big Brass, you beautiful bugger. How are you? <laughs> I thought, there was, I was, how many B's can I do? And I got to B and I thought, there's some unwise options here. You'll find out, listeners, while we're on the B's in, in, in a minute. But um, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> why, why wait a whole minute? Why not just a handful of seconds? Today we're talking Bordeaux 2008-2009. Woo. Bordeaux, Laurent Blanc, Johan Gourcuff, Marouane Chamac, the beautiful Bordeaux Chateau. Oh, the Chateau! <laughs> yeah, baby. What a what a what a wonderful place! I'm led to believe because I've never actually been there. But Andy, you have, and no doubt we'll go. We'll go. We'll, we'll go. <laughs> we will at one point. Uh, this Bordeaux side, they won league. Ugh. They also won the Coupe de la Liga. And uh, the Trophy des Champions. So a domestic treble. Would you go as far to say as a domestic treble? Because one of them is their equivalent of the Super Cup. And, this, and we should say the domestic Super Cup because when we say Community Shield, Community Shield's a one-off game. So if it's over two games, there's a tiny bit more respect for that trophy, I think. Uh, yes. Um, although I think it's interesting because if we go back to the very start of the the, the season where mm. Bordeaux won the title in 2008 2009 um, and they won the, the you mean the end of the season you're saying you go to the start of the season when they won the league yeah oh the, you mean the start of the league winning season yeah right carry on <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that for the poor listeners. So go on, we're at the start of the 2008-2009 season. Yeah, yeah. Where, where they eventually won the league. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> and um, they played the Trophy de Champion and uh, the, the, the equivalent of the Community Shield and they beat Lyon on, on penalties. Mm. And it felt big. Yeah. Even at the time, it felt big. And, you know, you can say, oh, it's not a proper trophy. It's... Um, at the start of the, the, the season before anyone's really got going. Um, Why did it feel big, Andy? Because they were saying again, we can compete with, with Lyon, mm. which they were showing little signs at, at, at the end of the, the, the previous season, good 2007, to, Good to remind people that Lyon were the big boys back then. I mean, they were going into 2008, 2009, having won seven successive titles. <laughs> and, you know, people talk about it being a one-team league under uh, with, with Paris Saint-Germain now. Paris Saint-Germain have never won seven titles in a row. No, Lyon absolutely cleaned up and also would get regularly to knockout stages. And usually it was quarterfinals would be their kind of 
their glass ceiling in the Champions League. Yeah, not that's all, right. Not always, but but that would be. But they, they were. Uh, that's uh, right. Well, that would change. They're a bit of a heavyweight, I suppose. That that would change as part of the Bordeaux story, as yeah. we'll, as, as we'll mm. pick up at the at the end. But um, to, to actually win a trophy off Leon, mm. even if it was like considered like, like not maybe a major trophy was a really, really big deal. And I think it was a good example of how player for player, they'd started to match up with Leon a lot better. I mean, you think of the great Leon sides, and I don't think the Leon side of um, 2008, 2009 is really one of those, but you think of the great Leon sides of some of those seven titles and like the, the names trip off the tongue really easily. You think of that midfield particularly... Of um, of Sien and Diara, Maluda, Juninho, Sidney Govu is incredible. Mm. They didn't need a centre forward with that lot, mm. and you know that was maybe the one thing missing from the back end of that. In, until at the back end of that seven um, that seven successive titles, Karen Benzema emerged, mm. of, of, of course. And You're getting sidetracked, Andy. I am a little, <laughs> but I think it's an example of the fact that even if Leon were not the best, they were still pretty good. And they still had the best set of players in, 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 in France. There was no doubt about that. But what Laurent Blanc did really well, and even when um, Paris Saint-Germain reached their high points under him later on, I think there is no greater achievement in his career than the team he moulded here. Yeah. It was a really, really, really good team. He's had a funny career. Lauren Block, because this was his first managerial appointment, really. Mm. And as you say, he moulded a great side. They won you know, a few trophies that year. Then he went on to manage France, which didn't work out so well uh, in the end. Then he managed Paris Saint-Germain. That's fine. And now he's at Al Ryan. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's a bit bitty in, in one sense. I mean, he's had success here. So, I mean, did you think when he was managing Bordeaux, how did you rate him as a manager in this particular role? At, at this, or this particular team, sorry. At this time, clearly we were only learning about him as a coach. Mm-hmm. But what he did in moulding this team and giving them focus, direction, mm-hmm. toughness, because they were a really tough team as as, as well, um, it, was, it was absolutely fantastic. And at this point, it looked like he would go on. And I, I thought after this season... Um, not directly after this season, but because he'd done so well in, in 2008, 2009, I thought that eventually he would have a couple more seasons at Bordeaux, maybe one or two more, and then probably go back to Italy where he did so well as a player and maybe manage a big Italian club. So that he sort of ended up at France where he, he did okay mm. in, in, in patches, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, and then after PSG. Uh, the problem was... I mean, cleaned up at PSG, but you'd sort of expect But he, he fell short in the Champions yeah. League. I mean, other coaches at Paris showed exactly how hard that was mm-hmm. to make in, inroads in, in, in the Champions League. Give or, give or take old Tommy Tooks, of course. But, <laughs> but I, I think the, the fact that, you know, after leaving Paris, he went, what, four years without a post? Yeah. I mean, he came quite close to, to getting the Leon one. That fell through because he wanted more backroom staff. But I think as well, the sad thing was during his time at France and at, at PSG, he kind of discredited himself with some of his views 
which were backward to, 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 to say the least. And that's another thing that took the shine off it. But at this point, there was still the glow of him being a World Cup and European Championship mm-hmm. winner in, in, in 98, 2000. He's still respected. People wanted to work from him mm-hmm. because he had that kind of stardust from that time as, as, as well because he'd not dived in headfirst into a coaching career. He'd, he'd, he'd worked his way up and it felt like the the right time. And I think later down the line, when they were trying to bring back a, a former great in Zinedine Zidane, before he got the Real Madrid job and Bordeaux were trying to appoint him, they definitely had the Laurent Blanc feelings, mm-hmm. you know, that, that he could maybe do something similar in, in turning what was, you know, historically is one of the biggest clubs in France, mm. but had just become kind of a provincial also ran, mm-hmm. really. And played some really uninspiring football as well over that time. So for him to mould them into a successful team, an exciting team that you could believe in, especially from that period of of Lyon dominance, was was really really impressive. Mm. You talked about him moulding this team, Andy. Which which players? You know, we look at some of the players that that he was moulding together in this team. And there is a few that, that, that stick out. Johan Gorkouf, of course, who we both love. Johan Gufran, yeah. who would, who would uh, play for Newcastle United, of course. Alu Diara is in there as well. Um, Marouane Schumach, who was joint top scorer that season. David Bellion. Um, um, you know, there's, there, there's a few sort of names that Premier League fans would know. I think um, the interesting thing about a lot of those names, Marcus, mm. and when you want to get across Blanc's achievement, is the fact that a lot of them like, fell on their face at other big clubs. Yeah. And you look, even coming out of this, I, I guess the two ones that really spring to mind, uh, Alu Diara and um, Johan Gorkouf, who were both absolutely brilliant mm. in, in this season. I mean, we'll speak on Gorkouf at length simply because I insist on it yeah. in, in, in a minute. But Alu Diara, by the time he arrived at, at, at Bordeaux, he'd fallen on his face at, he didn't break through at Liverpool. Didn't break through at Bayern. Mm. It, di- it didn't work out at Leon for him actually, as as as, as well. And so for a, a player like that to come in and like you know, I, I think the Bordeaux effect on 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 him is really really interesting because um, he'd shown he could do it in isolated little patches. It's often forgotten that he came on during the 2006 World Cup final. He was really, really good in mm. the centre of midfield in that game. So we knew he could do it. I mean, yeah, look, but, he's but, played in the World Cup final, so he's but, obviously got a bit of quality. And was really good in it. But Laurent Blanc made him his leader. And in, in a, a dressing room of fairly strong personalities, mm. I think it's fair to say, and said, right, just lead this team every week, set the tone. And Diara did that. Great on the ball, great mapping out the game, won his share of tackles. I think the fact that he had a Fernando, the Brazilian next to him, really helped as well. Another really tough player. And the fact that you had those two just gave so much freedom to the, the front bit of the team to, to do their stuff. Mm. Now, Gouffron at this point, obviously he had an intermittent spell at best at, at, at Newcastle. But... Um, at this point, you know, they, they, they'd bought him from Carl, where he looked brilliant, really. 
um, on the on the right wing. I, I remember the first time that I saw Gouffron in the in the flesh had been just before the start of the season. Actually, mm-hmm. it had been at the end of um, two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, where um, uh, Caen played at Lyon when Lyon were going for the title near the end of the season, and uh, Gouffron absolutely had Fabio Grosso on toast, and. Um, it it just embarrassed him in the in the first half of that game, and um, it was clear at this point that Gouffron was really going somewhere. Now, Grosso was so annoyed at what had happened in the first half. They were going down the tunnel at half time, uh, and and he punched Joanne Gouffron because he just couldn't stand it any, anymore. And so the 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 Leon team came out for the second half, and you're like, "There's only ten players. What happened?" Because this was before people were mm. watching football on Twitter at the stadium at the same time. And, um, you know, getting a text. I remember being in the stand with my friends and, like, sort of a couple of us getting a text from home going, Grosso got sent off in the tunnel at half time. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for, for him to get on board was was really important. Mm. He was really pacey. I mean, obviously he got converted into a more of a sort of all-round forward at, at the end. But he was, he was brilliant at, at, at stretching the game. Um, you look at um, Mathieu Chalmay, who was really, um, really aggressive and athletic as well on on, on that mm-hmm. right hand side. He clicked really well with with him. Um, you had Vendel on, on on the left, and all these players are so tough and get through. It's not just talent; it's mm-hmm. like hard work. And when you play this Bordeaux team, you know you've been in mm-hmm. a game so physically exacting, but. You know, the, the options they had up there. But Andy, I find it interesting, just going back to one of the early points you say about particularly Alu Diara and some of the other ones and Gorkouf as well. You know, they were big players, they played in big games. And yet, if you look at their careers, they, there's a, it might be a touch harsh to say this, but there's an element. W- what could have been? What, well, what could have been, but the journeyman a little bit and certainly one or two of the other players. Whereas actually with Diara, if you look at his appearances, he had a few a season here and a season there. But when he was at Bordeaux, actually, that was the longest period of his career yeah. now I know Gorkouf was at Lyon longer than, than Bordeaux certainly played more games but made nowhere near as much of an impact yeah and I, and it shows you what Blanc did gelling this side together yeah. that bringing the, some of these sort of players who have got talent they've not quite you know and maybe wouldn't go on um, to do a huge lot elsewhere again I say that with respect and, and, a, and a little bit of wiggle room but he managed to foster. He managed to bring these things together, that's and for a totally coach right. with with his first job, I think that's very impressive. It's totally right, and I think especially with some of those players who um, had been fated from the very beginning, mm. like Diara and Gorkouf, they're the ones I wanted to underline because I think that label of failure can mm. can stick to you. Of course, for Gorkouf, it, it didn't go brilliantly at, at Milan. You know, people well, he was on loan from Milan in this side. Yeah, that's 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 mm. right. Before they went on and decided they had to permanently buy him at the end of <laughs> well, that. Well, you would do after that season. Well, well, We've uh, got to have this guy. <laughs> at the beginning, the option was set at 15 million euros, which yeah. was a fortune for them. They thought, yeah, we can't afford this. Uh-huh. Let's uh, let's enjoy this You're season. You're thinking, you thought, but, Andy, cheap but, but twice the price. But yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> they're, they're two-thirds through the, the mm. season and they're like, yeah, there's no way he's going back. We're, 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 we're keeping him. Yeah. Like, like, but he was so good that season. You could have bought him and like mm. sold him at a profit the next day. Yeah. He, 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 he was so good. But it's, it's interesting that Laurent Blanc is a guy who we see in his later years, he becomes very clumsy with, mm. his, with his words. 
and his way of mm. relating to people. But here, he hits all the right notes. Yeah, and I, I find that juxtaposition quite funny. It is really weird because, yeah. like, if you think these guys like um, Diara and Gorkuf, you do have the sense of a little bit of fragility there because, I mean, it, it all came out in the wash when he, you know, after he left Milan and sort of became a player of renown. But with Gorkuf, you know, a lot of, a lot of his teammates, including Paolo Maldini, who spoke mm-hmm. out against him, were like, well, he, he didn't make an effort to learn the language. He didn't make an effort to get involved with us. And, you know, he was, mm. he, he was just a bit aloof. But I think to, to really understand Gorkuf, I mean, he thinks about football on a higher plane. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> but also, he, he's just shy. Mm. He's, he's just shy he's from a very different more privileged background than a lot of the the, the players around footballers him. don't like that though if you're from a more privileged background and you're shy if you're a bit of a larger than life character and you can kind of push your way in exactly but yeah that's not a good combination exactly. regrettably in football and it was it was something it was always made a point of that um, he, he, ne- he was never reading a newspaper on, on, on the team bus or the plane mm. he's, he's always reading a book and, and that was a big thing. And um, when people it's weird because in England you think of that, you think of 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 players. You know, have it wasn't Pat Nevin called the professor because he was. And I note the terminology here. He was caught reading a book. Exactly, great Graham Lasofa reading the Guardian. Yes, and there was all sorts of comments made about him because yeah. of that, and he liked going to the theatre. Well, it was it was funny because uh, and Gork- then the same Gorkov, for Gorkov, Gorkov well. when he was at Bordeaux, he used to come down every night before dinner he would come down from his apartment mm. and there was this bar in a really nice square where I went for a drink once, actually. Well, I bet you did. I bet you went I for did. a few, Andy. I did. Never stop at one back and, in those uh, days. <laughs> and he Why would, get in the way of a good time? He would always... He would always. Well, that was, that was Johan's idea at Bordeaux, yeah. certainly. Uh-huh. And your motto he, up until he, recently. He would always sit down there with a book and a glass of rosé and mm. it was his before dinner ritual. And like people would sit there, especially as it was going well. <laughs> That's Johan Gorkov. Yeah. He's reading a book and having a glass of rosé. Yeah. And then he'd just, you know, finish up, tip the waiter and yeah. go home and have his dinner. Absolutely. And that, that was something that I think, yeah, a lot of footballers looked at that and thought, you think you're better than us. I love that thought. Don't, don't the, 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 this, he's just He's just getting on with his business. Yeah. He's just in the corner of this place having a drink. It's not like he's sat on a throne on a, a like he's, he's bought a piece of, la- like a, like the town square, he's built a plinth, he's set himself up on a throne and a robe and he's doing it in that way. He's just getting on with it. People are like, you think you're better than us? No, I'm literally minding my own business. That's it. But I think at least part of it fed into mm. the, the, the perception of, yeah, him being from another planet yeah. where football is concerned. He was so good in this season, but do you not he think he was no. so so good? I mean, really, it was it was underlined by when they beat um, Paris Saint Germain four 0 I, I guess that was just before Christmas, mm-hmm. and he scores the third goal in that, having dominated the whole game. Is that the two footed one where he jinks in between the defenders? Yeah, and he pops it through the legs of uh, yeah. Sil- Sylvain Armand. Glorious. Does the roulette and then just like toe pokes it into the far corner, where mm-hmm. he creates a goal scoring opportunity mm-hmm. from what should never be a goal scoring mm-hmm. opportunity in a million years. YouTube it, Gorkov yeah. uh, PSG. It's, it's, it's a delightful, it's an absolute delight. It's but, magnificent. But do you not think with, with, with the type of person he is, 
with that mercurial talent, with that um, the type of footballer he was, the type of personality, it can go one of two ways, depending on a number of factors. Take Eric Cantona, fellow Frenchman, of course. Mm. He comes to the Premier League and, 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 and whatnot. But he is that, he's he comes across at times as quite aloof or, or you know, just gets on with things. He, he He's... I don't want to use the word loner because that suggests it's um, derogatory. He's um, he's happy in his own company. Yeah. Might be a better way of, of, of saying it. But yet because Cantona also showed he was a bit of a hard man and so on, people kind of go, all right, okay, I respect that in a weird sort of sense, if you see what I mean. Whereas, Look, we talked about this recently. I'm not saying this is right, by the way. Sure, sure, but I think what's different in the chronology of, say, Cantona and Gorkuf, who mm. was two very different characters, is that you know we talked about it the other the other uh, week on the ramble where we were saying last impressions last yeah. in football, yeah. and so with Cantona that was Manchester United, mm. and that was the place where unlike anywhere else in his career mm. he found his kingdom. Yes, he found his happy place. Mm-hmm. And very this, much his kingdom as well. <laughs> yeah, but but this was Gor- thrones and uh, this was that. this was Gorkov's kingdom. Yeah. This was his happy place. Maybe he didn't realize. But he didn't it have the longevity at, at the at the time. He didn't have the longevity that Cantona had at Manchester United. But also Cantona had a very vocal backing from his manager, which made a difference. Mm. Everyone sort of bought into that, if you see what I mean. And also, but as I say, with the kind of the, the more you know Cantona, you think of, of, of some feisty red cards and so on. He showed that. If you are going to call me soft or aloof or everything, well, you might have a bit of a problem there. Whereas Gorkuf was a little bit, he was seen as a bit softer. Introverted. A, introverted, yeah. yeah. And I think that that sometimes, unfortunately, as I say, I am not endorsing this, that went against him and um, and, and perhaps he got a, a reputation. Well, or... that, was, that was why it was tough, I think, for him to impose himself mm. uh, uh, at Lyon after mm. he left for what what was a, a record transfer between French mm. clubs at the, at the time what 20, yeah. 22 million in, in in 2010 and I think probably he would have been a little bit into his spell at Lyon mm. where he realised what he'd lost at Bordeaux now maybe he still had to move because after having in, in 2000 uh, 2008 2009 it was Marseille who were the closest mm. to um beating them to the title rather than Leon, who eventually finished third in, in in that season and made it difficult for Marseille in the, in, in the back end of that season as well. But this story kind of carries on into 2009, 2010, because in the end, they finished quite a way back in the title race. But for the first half of the season, it looks like they're going to win it again. And they're brilliant in the Champions League. I mean, they absolutely fly through that group which includes Bayern by the way who they beat twice mm. on the way to to winning the group and, and getting out of it and when I was saying what a physical side they are I always remember the header that Gorkov scored in Munich and you're like oh my god hang on this is a playmaker who mm. fair enough he couldn't get past Kakar to get in the Milan team we'll let him off yeah. for, for, for that especially as you know he clearly wasn't emotionally ready to mm. impose himself at Milan but this is a guy who has like balletic balance. He's got incredible technique. Two-footed. And he's six-foot and can score headers as well. Mm. Uh, is absolutely incredible. And at that point, you're thinking, hang on, they've actually got a chance in the, cha- the, the, the Champions League. Now, they come up short eventually. They're, they're knocked out by Leon, who are a very talented, quite dysfunctional team. Mm. And just about hang on in that second leg after winning the first leg 3-1. Bordeaux win the second leg. 
uh, the Chavan Delma, as it still was then, um, 1-0, and just go out. And that is the end of the Bordeaux dream, basically, yeah. because they fade out in terms of defending the title, um, gutted that they didn't get to the last four of the Champions League. Gorkov, at that point, I think he realises that this can't be a, a sustainable success you know maybe they can't do it season after season after season so that's that's why the leon possibility turns his head but again i I think you go back to like when this team is in full flow they're just magnificent that mix of toughness and technique and again laurent blanc you know you look at some of some of the some of the forwards who we got forward to maron shamak who Scored goals, I think, as a byproduct of his general excellence in this mm-hmm. season. Because when you've got that many good attacking midfielders, his job was really to rough up the defenders mm. and bring Gorkov and Vendel and Gouffron and players like that into play. But he scored some goals as they went along. They could change him when they needed an extra goal or they wanted to go 4-4-2. They bring in Fernando Cavagnaghi, who, again, has got a lot of talent but had had a very unhappy first experience in Europe with Spartak Moscow, where he felt isolated. He didn't get it culturally, sat around and ate a lot of McDonald's and got quite fat. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, came to Bordeaux, didn't work immediately. Blanc worked on him, became super important. He's not Cavagnaghi in Bordeaux. He's Cavagol. Yeah. And it's such a shame that this wasn't sustainable. I wonder if we kind of, because it had come directly after, after Lyon seven in a row, we expect too much. Mm. Like, you know, maybe it shouldn't have been sustainable. Maybe they were meant to burn bright and then just disappear. But for that season and a half, they were Mm. incredible. They were. And I know what you mean when you say it's a shame it wasn't sustainable, but at least they won the league. Exactly. They they stopped Leon and they won the league and they'll always have those memories. Uh, and uh, my goodness, they gave their fans a lot of cheer that season. Andy, pleasure talking to you about that one. And always a pleasure to talk about Johan Gorkuf. Gor- 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 I nearly said Gufran there. I was getting my goofs mixed up. It's, it's, a, it's good to talk but about Johan Gufran as well. You talked about them both. But, uh, <laughs> but Johan Gorkuf, yeah, what a beautiful boy. Um, there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to Teams of Our Lives. Uh, we'll be back next week with another one. See you then. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.